This afternoon, we're going to do a little something today on uh, since it's Thanksgiving month, and um, you know it, it's hard to believe November's here, amen. And I, I told my wife the other day, you know, in about three weeks we're going to put up a Christmas tree. I can tell y'all are as th- as enthused as I am, amen. <laughs> John chapter three, Let, uh, but be back again this afternoon, two o'clock for our afternoon uh, worship service. Uh, for, I guess, a title, I always try to title my messages, um, and I guess this one just simple this morning, Born Again. 
Now, you can either put an exclamation point beside that, or maybe you're here today and you have to put a question mark. But one or the other will go there. And I, but I want to begin reading in John chapter 3. Found your place. Say amen. amen. So there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these, th- uh, do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb uh, and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, Nicodemus, that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Father, I pray and I ask you, Lord, for your help, Lord, for your strength, Lord. I pray, God, that you'd guard my voice this morning. God, it's been bothering me the last few weeks, and I just ask you, God, dear Holy Spirit, that you'd strengthen my voice today as I preach Uh, an extremely important message today, Lord, about salvation. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. May we allow you, dear Holy Spirit, to move in our hearts and our thoughts today. I pray, God, that we will put out of our minds, Lord, those things that demand our time and our thoughts, Lord, outside this place. And we would allow you for the next half hour or so, Lord, just to permeate our thoughts, God, and speak to our hearts this morning about our salvation. And God, we give you praise for that. So, Lord, I I thank you, God, for your written word. I'm thankful that it's forever settled in heaven. And, God, we give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's an old uh, spiritual uh, song that describes uh, many people in churches today. And uh, there's a line in it that says, Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Amen. Outwardly, they identify with Christ, but inwardly, they've never genuinely been saved. They've never been born again. Uh, And because they hold to this false uh, profession, thinking they're on the narrow path uh, that leads to, the Bible says, to everlasting life, when the reality is they're on the broad road that the Bible teaches us leads to destruction, and it says, many there be that go in thereat. Uh, To make matters worse, though, uh, their self-deception is often reinforced by well-meaning but undiscerning Christians who, uh, in a a, a naive way, they embrace these people as true believers. And all this confusion, I want you to get this, all this confusion comes from watered-down, what I've called pseudo-gospels that are propagated it by far too many pulpits today. And if y'all are here, say amen. Uh, things like cheap grace, market-driven ministry, emotionalism, subjectivism, and also indiscriminate inclusivism is what I put. They've seeped into the church, and they have everlasting and devastating results. And the results are that most any profession of faith is affirmed as genuine even from those whose lives show no sign of fruit. 
Are y'all still here? Say amen. Y'all looking at me. Look in Luke chapter 6, verse 43. Familiar passage of scripture. Luke chapter 6. And keep your finger there, John. We're coming back. It says, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of bramble uh, of a bramble bush gather they grapes. Well, now, Pastor, I've met people say, well, you know, we shouldn't judge someone else's salvation. Well, that's true. But I am a fruit inspector. Amen. And the Bible says, by their fruit, what happens? Ye shall know them. And as you read through this passage of Scripture, you'll find that the Lord is not interested in shallow responses. He's not interested in uh, some quick, artificial, fake conversion. In fact, He refused to compromise the truth or give anybody a false hope. You read it. It's right there. Uh, the Lord Jesus was not a part of, of this easy believism type salvation that's been around for a while. That if we just say this, you know, and just say, Lord, you know, save me kind of thing, and then we go on our merry way, that, that's not what God is talking about here. Uh, for example, now the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, if you read there, he sought out the Lord and he asked, Asked the Lord, he said, good master, what good thing, here's what he said, shall I do that I may have eternal life? Well, there's nothing that we do to have eternal life. The only thing that we do, if you want to call it that, is for eternal life is to ask Jesus Christ to come into our heart. And the reason, and, and the, listen, because the Lord did not compromise his demand, watch, for total commitment the Bible says in John chapter 6 and verse 66 that many went away, and they still go away. Listen, when, when we call, when the Lord still calls commitment, our people to commitment today, there's still people that will walk away just like this rich young ruler did in Matthew 19. The Lord said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, he said, if a man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. However, many today, they still don't want to pay that high of a price. They don't want to deny themselves. They want some type of an easy salvation. Amen. Listen, salvation is free, but it's not easy. Amen. But they want an easy salvation that allows them to continue to do the same things they want to do and still be saved without a total commitment. They want something easy. Well, in the Lord's evangelistic approach, and you read it all through the Gospels, in his public and private ministry, he put an emphasis on denying self and submitting completely to him. And, and it's here in this passage of Scripture that we see one of those private encounters with a man by the name of Nicodemus. The Lord refused to water down or even soften the truth here when he's talking to Nicodemus in order to gain his approval. Because if you read there in chapter 3 and verse 1, we see that Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. He's an important guy. And the Lord simply did not water it down. He didn't make it easy. He just said, Nicodemus, and we're going to get into that. He said, this is the way it is. A lot of pulpits today water down the gospel, and they water down the word of God simply to, uh, <clears throat> you, know, uh, you know, gain a, a favor, if you will, with influential people. But the Lord didn't do that here. 
Look in verse 3. He said, Verily, verily, again, or truly, truly, Nicodemus, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Listen, it's just that simple. Salvation is a very simple thing to us. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, this morning I want to show you some things about the new birth I think that are very important. Now, some things that I think that, that, that society today has tried to uh, teach us and try to, and they've some have even seeped into the church. And the first thing I want you to see here is that the new birth is instantaneous. It is not a process. Amen. Amen. Many today think that salvation is uh, something that takes place over time. Sounds like a layaway plan to me. Do they still have layaway, by the way? I mean, used to, you could go to Walmart or wherever. Now, I've done that before where you go somewhere and you say, you know, I want to buy this and it's, say, $50. And you don't have $50, so you say, I'm gonna, I want to start, I want to pay $10 down and, and I want to pay it out over time. And then they'll say something like, well, you got 30 days to pay for it. But, I, but they put it back here in this storeroom, and I can go back and pay for it over time. It's a process. Well, listen, I want you to understand today uh, that, that salvation is not a process. It's not a layaway program. It's not an installment plan. But let's suppose, just suppose, that, that salvation were a, a process. Suppose you started off right. Then you went, say, five years down the road, and I mean, you're doing good, and you're on the right path, and, uh, but before you finished the process, you died. Well, is part of you going to heaven and part of you not? I mean, after, what, after all, it's a process. I mean, uh, uh, w- w- would you be saved would you, or would you die in your sins without Christ and go to a devil's hell? Would that, would that happen? Would part of you go to heaven, as I said, and, and the rest of you go to hell? Well, that you say, that sounds crazy. Well, it absolutely is crazy, and it's foreign to the Word of God. Listen, salvation or the new birth is an instantaneous process, and we're going to get to that. You say, well, how long does it take for a soul that is dead in trespasses and sin to be made alive forever in the Lord Jesus Christ? How long does it take? Well, uh, to take a phrase out of Scripture, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That's how long it takes. Faster than, than you could even think about it. Listen, when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you are saved. You see, the very moment that a soul is dead, uh, a soul that is dead, cut off, alienated from God, uh, sees himself as a hopeless, hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner and sees that Jesus Christ is the only way and the only hope. And when that person looks away from self, when he, uh, with a repentant heart, looks to the finished work of the crucified, buried, and risen Son of God for salvation, and that person says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, Come into my heart and save me that very moment. In an instant, the Spirit of God touches that dead soul, quicken him, making him alive, and he becomes a new creation in Christ Jesus immediately. And he's saved forever. Amen. John chapter 5 and verse 24. Just flip over a couple of pages. The Lord says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on me hath everlasting life 
well, that sounds pretty instantaneous to me. Uh, I mean, if you believe on him, him that sent me, you have everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but at that moment is passed from death unto life. Praise the Lord. First John chapter 5. Now, this is some of my favorite verses here. Uh, uh, verse 11 through 13. Turn to First John. It's all toward the back. If you get to Revelation, you went too far. This verse says, and this is the record. I like records. I mean, they're written down. There's something you can go back to, and they're there from now on. God says this is the record that God uh, gave to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And he that hath the Son hath life. Amen. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That is pretty simple. In other words, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you said, Lord, come into my heart and save me, then at that moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you've done that and you have the Son, then you have everlasting life. But if you've never done that, then you don't have everlasting life. That's not hard to understand. And then he says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may hope, that ye may wish, that ye may think. No. How many times have I had someone do, uh, are you saved? And they say, oh, preacher, I hope I am. Well, you don't have to hope. Not according to this verse. And I kind of like it, but I, I like this verse because, I don't know, this is a record. Amen. It's written down. It's in here. We can go back to it today and tomorrow and the next day. And God says, listen, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Well, listen, if I've gotten saved and trusted Christ as my Savior, I know because God says I, uh, that I can know and that I have uh, life until I do something wrong. No. Listen, it's not a 15-year plan. It's not a process. I mean, we see it right here. God says that you may know, listen, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God that you have eternal, everlasting life. In other words, you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you're saved forever. Amen. I've had people say, well, you Baptists, you know, y'all believe in once saved, always saved. Well, to be honest, you cannot find those words in Scripture. Can't find them. But I can find eternal life. I can't find everlasting life. And I would rather say that than once saved, always saved, even though it's really the same thing. But I'll just go back and get some Bible words out of here. And it says where God says in John 5, 24, that we have everlasting life. And, and in 1 John 5, 11, 13, it says we have eternal life. I guess that's for, from now on. Amen. Listen, and that life that God gives us is an instantaneous thing. It is not a process, period. And I'm certain that the thief on the cross was glad of that. I mean, think about it. Uh, the, 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 they're talking, the thief on the cross is talking to Jesus, and, and, uh, and the, he talks to the Lord about being saved, and the Lord says, well, bummer for you. You didn't have time to live out the process of salvation. Oh, wait a minute. That's not what he said. He said, today. In other words, as soon as he dies, 
that the Lord said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. I mean, listen, you know what that is? That is an instantaneous process. The Lord said in, in, a, in a roundabout way, As soon as you die, you're going to be with me. Listen, that's salvation. It's an instant process. It's instantaneous. But second thing, without the new birth, you're dead. Now, these are really deep, you know, theological kind of points, so I want you to get them, okay? Without the new birth, you're dead. And by the way, nobody is exempt from the need of salvation. The new birth is necessary because every soul without Christ is dead. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that, that, uh, that the gift of God is eternal what? Life. Oh, I mean, listen, uh, it, without Christ we're dead in trespasses and sin. The Bible also says that there's none righteous, no, not one, and that the wages of sin is death. Listen, there was a Harris survey taken not too long ago, and this was the question that was asked, what worries Americans most? Seventy percent of those surveyed said that they worry most about wasting too much time, especially watching TV. Uh, About the same number said they worried about not reading enough, just reading. Some even said they were worried about not attending church enough. Some even said that they were worried about not being involved in community projects enough. But not one person voiced concern about personal sins or future judgment. Not one. Listen, if you go to the book of Acts and look in the 26th chapter, you'll find a story there about Paul and a king by the name of Agrippa. And Agrippa made a mistake because he said, Paul, what do you got to say for yourself? And listen, a a preacher always has something to say. Amen? And and, and the thing that I I like about this story here, and when I say story, I don't don't mean a, a fairy tale. I mean a true happening that's recorded in the Word of Almighty God. It actually took place. Uh, where uh, Paul is talking to Agrippa, and Paul just tells him about his salvation experience and how it happened. Well, listen, O king, on the road to Damascus one day that I was riding on this horse, and a bright light from heaven shined down, knocked me off of my horse, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Paul, why persecutest thou me? Listen, he knew that that was God. And Paul, or Saul at that time, had a salvation experience. He's telling Agrippa about all this. Well, King Agrippa came back a little bit later when Paul kind of wound down, and, and he told uh, uh, Paul, he said, Paul, I know, or Paul said, I know thou, that thou believest, Agrippa. And Agrippa knew that Paul was telling him the truth, that he needed to be saved. But Agrippa was like a lot of people today. He was afraid of his social standing. He was afraid of what might happen to him as a king. Would anybody? I mean, he was thinking about all these things. He was afraid of what people might think about him or what they might say. And Agrippa said these words, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Listen, without the new birth, you are spiritually dead. And you never read anything about Agrippa from that point. Listen, I want you to understand, I I, I doubt very seriously that Agrippa ever trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And without it, he was dead in his trespasses and sin. Let me show you point number three. The new birth is the only way into God's family. Look in verse 6. 
it says, uh, the Lord's talking to Nicodemus. And he said, Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You see, when you were born physically, you were made flesh. You were made flesh and bone by, uh, uh, you know, the same flesh and bone of your earthly parents. By the new birth, you're born into the family of God. Amen. By the natural birth, you become a partaker of the physical nature of your earthly parents. Me, I, you know, I took on my, uh, the, the physical attributes of my family or my mom and dad. I'm good looking. I'm nice. I'm pleasant. Amen. I'm a medium height. I see y'all out there, you know. My legs are long enough to reach the ground. Amen. Amen. You short people say amen. You know, it'd be all right. Uh, we took on the physical nature of our earthly parents. But by the new birth, you become a partaker of the nature and life of Almighty God. Listen, no wonder Jesus told Nicodemus, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Listen, new birth marks the starting point of a new spiritual experience. Listen, it's more than moral renovation. It's more than turning over a new leaf. It's more than outward conformity to a rule of life. Listen, it's more than baptism. Amen. It's, listen, it's a change of heart. It's a change that comes from the inside and begins to show outwardly. Listen, it'd be a good thing if saved people started acting like they were saved. Amen. A new birth, newborn of God. God told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Let me show you point number four. Nothing can substitute for the new birth. A lot of people today are trying to substitute some little remedy for uh, the things that kind of, you know, the Bible says, lay aside every sin that does so easily beset you. A lot of people today are looking for some type of remedy, an earthly remedy that will, uh, you know, that will help them to lay aside that sin that besets them. But, but listen, folks, I'm telling you, it, it's not turning over a new leaf. January's coming if the Lord don't come back. And it'll be 2024. Man, I can't believe we've done it. Just the other day, we were talking about uh, Y2K. How are we going to survive Y2K? Well, we survived, and we survived a lot of things since then. Amen. But I'm here to let you know today that, listen, there's no remedy for sin other than the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing can substitute for the new birth. But a lot of people today, they, they, they try to find some other remedy for the sin and the, the sickness of their soul, but there's no substitute. For example, education is no substitute. Education and culture, refinement can never substitute for the new birth. The Lord, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he didn't say, Nicodemus, you need to go back to school now. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, and he didn't say, uh, Nicodemus, I think another year or so down here at the university, I think if you'll do that, you'll be okay. No, he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Listen, education is no substitute. Morality and good works is no substitute. Good works is a fruit of salvation. We are saved unto good works. In other words, if you're saved, then we ought to do righteous things. We ought to live righteous. And, and by their fruit, ye shall know them. The Bible says that by our fruit, by the things that we do uh, Monday through a Saturday in this life, by doing those things, people will watch us, and by that, they'll know that we're saved. 
People ought to look at your life and know that you are a child of God simply because you're bearing fruit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Oh, you Baptists, y'all always use that verse. Okay, what's your point? I mean, you know what I tell them is they, I've had that, th- that thrown out there at me. I say, well, it's in here. Are we not supposed to use it if it's in here? I mean, if it works, it works. It's kind of like a good hamburger place or a homemade ice cream. If it works, why mess it up? Amen. I mean, I, you, just, you can't improve on good homemade vanilla ice cream. I don't need that other stuff. Mint. I don't even know why anybody want to eat mint ice cream. Any of y'all eat mint ice cream? Lord help them. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see different fruit. Amen. Vanilla. I'm just saying, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is kind of like a vanilla verse. Amen. They say, well, uh, well, good works don't get you to heaven. Well, how do I get there? Well, for by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. It works. I like it. Because in that, well, let's just go to verse 4 and 5. Ephesians 2 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened or made us alive uh, together with Christ. By grace are you saved. I think the Lord's trying to tell us something there. I think he's trying to tell us that morality and good works are no substitute for the new birth. I think he's trying to tell us uh, by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. The only difference between a moral individual who rejects Christ and an immoral individual who rejects Christ is that one will go to hell, he'll go there moral, and the other will go there immoral. Period. It's the only difference. Listen, morality, morality is important. God help us to live right. God help us as Christians to be moral individuals. Can I, can I just stop here for a second? Listen, you know, we, we as Christians today need to show the lost people that there is a different life to live uh, other than the life that they live in this world. Listen, uh, uh, we studied this in Pharaoh the, uh, where God separated his people and the plagues and said, listen, at this time the plague is not going to come on the pe- my people Israel. And, and, and then he tells us, and the reason why he doesn't allow the plague to smite his people, the Bible says so that the, these the Egyptians may know that I am God. In other words, listen, there's a separation that's taken place. Uh, the world today thinks that we need to be like the world, act like the world, look like the world, dress like the world in order uh, to reach people. Absolutely not. Uh, God said to the Egyptians and to Pharaoh and to Moses, the reason I'm doing this, uh, the reason I am separating my people is so that they will know that I am God. That's why God said to come out from among them and be a separate, thus saith the Lord. Why? So that the world will know that we are God's people, period. Amen. So, morality and good works are no substitute. Let me tell you something else. Baptism is no substitute. Now, there can be baptism without faith, right? And there can be faith without baptism. But there's no salvation outside the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
if water, I, I still hear my dad's voice in my ear saying, listen, if this water will save you, then you better not get out. You, he said, you can stay in that water till the tadpole knows your driver's license number. But, that, but if the water saves you and you get out, you're lost. But I'm here to let you know, baptism does not save. If water is necessary, listen, if it's necessary for salvation, then everybody who has ever trusted Christ as their Savior and not been baptized, including the thief on the cross, they are lost. Yeah. You see, John the Baptist, think about this. John the Baptist made a distinction between baptism by water and baptism by the Holy Spirit. Okay? He could administer the one, but only Jesus could administer the other. Yeah. You see, baptism will never save a soul. It takes the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, buried, risen, uh, 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 seated at the right hand of God. Listen, it, it takes his precious blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood that cleanses us from all our sin. It takes the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Listen, baptism is no substitute. A lot of people try to put baptism in with salvation. They'd make it additional too, but that is absolutely false. And we could get into that a little bit later, but it's not in here. Listen, if, if baptism, we'll get into that later. But baptism will never save. It's no substitute. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. It's a gift of God. Amen. Listen, that verse didn't say anything about, about baptism in there. Amen. Say, so, man, y'all, it works. Amen. There it is. That's there the vanilla ice cream again. It, it works. Baptism is no substitute. Let me show you something else. Uh, church membership is no substitute. Every redeemed child of God ought to be a member of a real Bible-believing, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church. Every member, every saved individual ought to be a member of a church like that. But listen, but church membership has, has never and will never save a soul. You can be a member of every church in Carrollton, Texas. And if you're not saved, you'll die in your sin and go to hell. Yeah. Uh, listen, um, baptism is the door into church membership. Y'all still here? Some of y'all ought to walk through it. Yeah. I mean, some been here for a while and never done it. Y'all just stay with me. Don't, don't run off. Baptism is the door. If you haven't been through the door, then you're not a member. Amen. I'm talking about church membership is no substitute for salvation. Listen, uh, listen it, you can't get there without the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, nothing can substitute for the new birth. Let me show the last thing. Only the new birth gives a new nature. Uh, the new birth is necessary because uh, an individual has to possess a spiritual nature to enjoy spiritual things. You know, I mean, this is just, this is just simple stuff. Um, to enjoy heaven, you have to have a spiritual nature. Now, think about it this way. And I, you know, I think about stuff different, you know, most than most people. And you, you know that. Uh, but if a person who has never been saved... To get into heaven, 
they couldn't enjoy it. You know why? They don't have a spiritual nature. I mean, that's why God said flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's why he said this corruption must put on incorruption. That's why he said this mortal put, must put on immortality. Well, how do you get that? Listen, if you, well, if you want to go to heaven, the way you get it is through by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Listen, some folks uh, can't enjoy coming to church because they're not in harmony with God. Yeah. Some folks can't enjoy church because they're not in uh, walking the path that God would have them to walk. And, but folks, listen, if you want to have the, a right relationship with God, the first step is the new birth. The first step is just like the Lord told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Listen, no soul has ever gone to heaven unless they have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But on the other hand, no soul has been born again uh, and then gone to hell. Listen, if you're saved, you are saved forever. Your name has been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand, period. We've been covered by the Holy Spirit of God, sealed unto the day of redemption, protected by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, what, what else do we need today to convince us that we have everlasting eternal life? But the only place we get it is through Jesus Christ. The new birth is not reformation. Because reformation is a work of man. It's regeneration because it comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Listen, reformation is, is external. Regeneration is internal. Reformation is temporary. Regeneration is eternal. And the new birth is an act of God's sovereign grace whereby eternal life is imparted to the soul of a dead sinner, one who is dead in trespasses and sin. And when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, this, this person who was once dead in trespasses and sin was made alive, quickened, made alive. And we are seated at the right hand of the Father, amen, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you have never done that, listen, then I invite you this morning had to come and say Lord be merciful to me a sinner come into my heart and save me that's all you got to do oh yeah that's it but then the work starts right after that yeah the hard part starts you see salvation is the operation of the spirit of God upon the heart Um, the necessity of the new birth today is the difference between heaven and hell you don't have to hope. You don't have to think. You can know. Uh, it's been a while, but I can still think back to when I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I still remember going to the altar, my dad standing there, and the first question out of his mouth was, what do you want? <laughs> and I looked up at my dad, and I said, Dad, I need to get saved. And you know what he told me? Go sit down. I've got No, that's not what he said. He said, you kneel down right here, and I'll show you how to get saved. Can I tell you this morning, that's all you got to do is come. Jesus said, come unto me. And he said, he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Are you saved? See, that's the question this morning. Have you made the right choice? See, there's two choices today. There's two types of people perhaps here this morning. There's saved sinners and there's lost sinners. 
you're one, of, you're one or the other. Can't be both. You're only one. Today, you're looking at a saved, born-again sinner. Yeah. But we've all got something in common. We're all sinners. But if you're here today and you're lost, I don't have that in common with you. But I do know somebody that can help you. He was talking to Nicodemus. And he told, And by the way, Nicodemus got saved. You, you go and read it. Uh, Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. So, do you know that you know that you know that you're born again? If you don't, come. And I'll introduce you to my friend. His name is Jesus. And he gives eternal, everlasting life. And it was, it's free to you. It cost him everything. But you can have it this morning if you'll just come. Father, help us, Lord, today. There's no substitutes for the new birth. We must be born again. We must be born of the Spirit of Almighty God. There must be a time when we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Lord, all the things that I mentioned, Lord, are, are no substitute for uh, for salvation, Lord, none of the things that, that a lot of folks think about baptism, church membership, education, Lord, n- n- any of those things, Lord, are, are, are a substitute for the new birth. God, you said you must be born again. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I pray, Father God, that, Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that's lost, God, please help them to understand that they're in the perfect place where they can take care of that. Don't, don't let them worry about what someone might think, like Agrippa. But God, help them to come to know Jesus Christ. Lord, please help them not to leave this place not knowing. Maybe there's a Christian here today that needs to do some business with you, Lord. God, whatever that business might be, I pray, God, that they'll come. Lord, that they'll allow the Holy Spirit of God to have free reign in their heart and life today. So, Lord, please help us. Give this invitation, Lord. Move in the hearts of people, and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please, no, no one looking around. I ask that.